The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Nine after 10 o'clock, welcome to the second hour of The Talking Point. As always, Brian Hirsch is in studio with me. We'll be unpacking the finance segment for today. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. I must tell our listeners, guys, Brian is looking younger and younger. He's walked in here. He has a glow. I'm asking him, what is he doing? He looks like he's just come back from a facial, (laughs) a bit of Botox here and there. Brian, what are you doing? I told you, I was walking in the forest the other day and I came across this cave and in this cave with some strange men, they said, come inside. They gave me a little bottle and I've been drinking it. <laughs> oh, you're such a liar. I mean, you... No, 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 just just admit, you know, male grooming is big these days. I'm not into you, male... You, you don't I'm, have to be ashamed. I'm not into male grooming. Why do you why do you say that so passionately? Because uh, I'm not. <laughs> no, but it's okay. You're if embarrassing you are. me. You're no, you, embarrassing you, you, me. You can own it. You know, it's it's not a sin okay. to go, to go for a facial these okay. days. No. Botox, no. It, it takes too long. It takes too a, long. A bit time. of an injection here Lovey, and there. I had chemo in the eighties. I'm allergic <laughs> to needles. You don't seriously <laughs> think I'm going to go and sit anywhere and have needles put into me. Well, whatever you're doing, keep doing Thanks, it. Thanks, You look fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> certainly don't look like the, the state of financial affairs anywhere in this country. So, Brian, today we're going to be talking about, I think the conversation is very much about sentiment, right? Investor sentiment, what people do, uh, at least investors, what they do when there is a bit of a negative perception around uh, a particular country or a particular asset. And, and this time we'll talk about uh, South Africa and what that means then when it comes to making decisions around whether to buy or whether to grow assets. Yeah. Cathy, it, it, it's not only in this country. Globally, investors are very negative. Um, they're expecting recessions in the US, UK. They've already seen as recession in Germany. The word recession mustn't scare everyone the same way as risk mustn't scare everyone. I mean, let's just define risk, the, some other words for risk. There's the danger. There's the chance. There's a gamble. There's jeopardy. There's probability. Those are different words of risk, people not showing where they're going to be in. But globally, there is more money sitting on the sidelines waiting to invest. And when you're investing, no one rings a bell. No one says, now's the time to get in, now's the time to get out. What investors tend to do is they follow the herd mentality and end up investing when everyone, everything is euphoric and not when everything is in the doldrums. At the moment, globally, Everything's in the doldrums, and it's for three reasons. The first reason is interest rates have risen, and that's South Africa and all over the world. And Mm -hmm. in South Africa, it's really a difficult situation where individuals are paying that much more for debt, working South Africans looking to borrow money or take money out of their pension fund. That's the evidence that working South Africans are struggling. And so you can imagine non-working South Africans, the struggle they have. And they sit and listen to this program because they listen to your program. And this program to them is a very difficult one, as we 
we heard some weeks ago because they say, you know, we can't put bread on the table. But we're talking now to people who are saying to themselves, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I've re-looked at my budget. I've cut back where I can. I heard your health, your pro, your program on healthcare a few weeks ago as I was driving out of the station. That's a big hot potato because medical aids are going up at a rate far above inflation. And whatever you pay into your medical aid, you can double that every seven or eight years. That's how much your medical aid is going to be. And remember, as you get older, you need more health care protection. But just think about that cost increasing by eight times, uh, eight times, or doubling in eight years. So in 16 years, you're talking about a, a four times the price today. So that's a cost people have got to look at. So there's that fear about when do I take risk? And I, I really believe, and I've been saying for a long time now, it's when Warren Buffett makes the point. He says, when there's blood in the streets, it's time to take on risk. That doesn't mean any risk mm-hmm. and anything that's offered to you. But there's a lot of quality. You know, we, South Africans have superb management, superb entrepreneurs. No matter what anyone says about this country, however good or bad it is, we have guys who and ladies who run great companies and they are capable. And when they go overseas, they get snaffled up very quickly because of their ability, the education, the training of these individuals. And if you just, you, there's just so many of these companies, you just think of the Discams, the Investgen, our, our mining companies, uh, Bidvest, and so many other companies. Uh, I've just mentioned just a few because they, they, those came to mind quickly. But so what you've got to say is when you take on risk, you are really buying into someone else's business. Now, if I said to you, Kathy, would you like to buy into Discam? Would you, if I came to you today and said, I've got this chain of supermarkets, would you like to be a partner of mine? When you buy into a company, when you buy a share, you're actually a part owner of that company. Mm-hmm. And depending how well that company does or doesn't do, that's how well you will be either rewarded or, 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 or you will be penalized. But it's, 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 it's never about timing. People think now's the time. If you're thinking long-term, and remember, it's not how long you've already been in the investments. If you've been in investment for five years, it's no point saying, well, I've now got done five years, I'll go another six months. Every time it comes to that date where you re-look at things, you've got to think ahead because risk is very, there's a lot of volatility in markets. And volatility is what creates the risk. But I think things are looking a lot better. I know the RAND hasn't recovered much. I know the RAND was at 1980. The RAND this morning, I think, said around about 1920. We'll hear in, a, in another 20 minutes what the RAND is doing. I'm ama- I mean, I'm amazed that the petrol price came down because the petrol price is governed on two components. One is the oil price, which has come down. The oil price trading at seventy-five to seventy-six dollars an ounce. If you think back a year ago, oil was trading at one hundred twenty-five dollars, mm-hmm. and that's an enormous difference. I mean, that is nearly twenty, nearly forty percent lower than what it's trading. We saw wage salaries come out, wage increases in the U.S. dropping. We've seen inflation in the U.S. dropping. That could put a pause now this month on interest rates, and maybe maybe we get come to the end, and maybe we'll come to the end of interest rates. So all the bad news is out there. Everything is there. This is the first time in a long time that we've been able to get good money interest rates for pensioners. But don't think those interest rates are going to stay there. They may stay there for another 12 to 24 months. By the time interest rates start coming down, 
the investment markets will have moved up. And it's when I say investment markets, because you need to be with a company or a portfolio manager, don't try and manage your investments. Don't try and go onto all these onlines and buy and sell shares on what you've heard. But just bear in mind that everyone wants to buy when markets are low and everyone wants to sell when markets are high. Invariably, it goes the other way around. So all I'm saying to you, there are these are times to be thinking about the long-term investing. I think these are times to be investing for growth, and I don't think people should be thinking – Everything is negative. I mean, you can talk about, you know, it's so easy to find 10 negative things to talk about. But when you're talking about investments, you've got to say, what are the possibilities? What are the chances? Because we talked about risk and chance that I'll do better in an investment over the next five to 10 years. Brian, what can we categorize as, as growth assets? So what are we talking about here? Well, the first thing you've got to categorize is growth. The word growth itself spells out the letters. G stands for growth. The second letter, R, stands for risk. The last two letters, T and H, of that word growth. T is for time, and H is the letter hold. Hold through the bad times. That's what many people have done. The W is relative wealth. It's wealth. And the O, you can draw your little face in it, put your little eyes in, put your little ears in, everyone will do it differently. So draw the, write the word growth and then have some fun on the letter O. But that's you. You want to grow your money, you need to take risk, you need time and you need to hold. That's how you create relative wealth. You do not create wealth, relative wealth sitting in the bank. How should we be thinking about this practically with what you understand our audience um, some of the assets that they might have and where then the potential for growth in some of those assets might be? Okay. You also asked me, and I didn't really answer the question, you asked me, what assets can you think for growth? Well, the first asset is property. And property is an absolute dollar. I cannot believe how, how many properties are selling at such low prices. Absolutely ridiculous prices. And I can tell you, not all our consumers know that you can negotiate a property, whatever price is offered to you by the agent, you certainly can make offers. And sometimes if you've got cash, you can make. So property has always been an investment, a good investment, other than the last four to five years in South Africa. There are pockets. You know, it's a funny thing. When we talk about insurance, people, I had a program last night talking to an insurance broker about fire insurance, people are underinsuring their homes because they're insuring their homes for what they can actually get on the market. And the market is half the price of what it will cost you to replace your home. So don't be very careful that you're insuring your home for the right value and not the market value. And if you've got a bond, let me give you another tip. If you've got a bond, remember, your, if you've got a bond, the bondholder, whoever that financial institution will be, actually insure your home. Make sure that you make sh that the value of your property is replacement value of your property. But I think property is one, one area, particularly if you build up a portfolio. It's not the only. It's never an or. It's never property or. Mm -hmm. Then equities, whether it be a segregated portfolio where you buy your own portfolio of equities, there's danger there, or whether you buy into what we call the suite of unit trusts, which includes Signia and, and Satrix, which allows you a choice of, of so many different markets, then 
some of that diversification should be offshore because you're going to get the benefit of more companies. I mean, how many companies here are involved with AI? I mean, it's a big word, artificial intelligence today. Mm-hmm. How many companies are in work, involved in the cutting edge of technology and the cutting edge of pharmaceuticals and those type of things. So that's the type of things you should be looking for growth. And that's why I said there's risk. If you want security and certainty, it sounds great. And you can get good interest rates. Look at the after-tax returns. Because remember, there's always tax payable on interest. And if you're talking about large amounts of money, anything above 500,000 Rand, even for a a pensioner, you're going to be paying tax. So if you're getting 9% on your money, on 500,000, you're getting 45,000. The first 34 and a half is tax-free. Now, you're really going to be taxed on the next 11. And thereafter, any other money you're getting, you're going to be taxed. What is it really worth? So don't look at gross returns. But I think over the next three to five years, these are great times to be investing globally. People can't believe they've missed out already because they waited for the bell. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Market's done exceptionally well this year. Mm-hmm. From last year's lows of anything between 25 to 33% down, particularly in the technology, markets are up to this year between 13 and 20%. You've already l- lost some of the best days in the market. So don't think short-term Think long-term. So it's property and equities. You can go into property through property funds. You can go through you can go through exchange-traded funds, which you can buy online. It's similar to buying a unit trust where you people are pooling together to buy into these different investments. That's where you want to be with your investment portfolio. That's where you want your retirement annuities, your endowment policies, your pension funds. Because remember, if you contribute to a pension or provident fund, your employer has got a board of trustees who've got investment advisors who are doing making these investments exactly as I'm talking about this morning. You don't, just don't know it. So why the rich of the world have always made money out of growth assets? Slowly, bit by bit, but that's how they've done it. Brian, if I have a pension fund and I'm listening to this conversation and I think I wonder if my funds are invested in property, as you're saying, um, and can, can I have that conversation with the person who is handling, um, what is it, what do they call them? The, the trustees or the pr- principal officer of the fund. Yeah, no, not even the trustees or the principal officer, but the person who's um, the directly fund ma- the responsible fund manager. For, for the policy, for the, the intermediary. Yes, look, I, 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 I can't look in a smaller company. You'll always have that opportunity, but in a large company with thousands of people. Mm. But you can get all this information from the trustees. You can ask for information. You get a membership statement every year. On your membership statement, it gives you your details of how much you're contributing, what the value of your fund is, and where the value of your and where it is actually invested. You can actually see. But I can tell you that the trustees of a pension fund, many of them have what they call lifetime portfolios, depending on your age, but you certainly have access to that information. And it's readily available to anyone who asks a trustee for that information. All right. But but at the end of the day, if, if you're in a large company, like you're saying, you're stuck with what they choose to go with. You yes, don't actually that... have liberty to say, I was listening to Brian and I'm not happy with how I see um, the how the the my portfolio 
has been divided in terms of where the different assets have been invested. Well, you may not be happy, but remember, these are experts that are making the decision. These are fund managers that are that are providing information to trustees. So you've got to rely on the experts. You can't, you know, and 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 sometimes the experts can be a little bit conservative. You know, again, it depends on how the trustees approach it. You know, trustees are custodians of people's monies, but I'm saying to you. You you need you can get that information. Don't say I'm just un- unhappy. Find out what's happened. Get your statement. Talk to a financial advisor. Maybe the fund. Maybe you're in a more conservative portfolio. But the pension fund has other portfolios that 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 are defaulted. In other words, they will say to you, Do you want to move from portfolio A to portfolio B because of your age? And if you don't respond, they may automatically default you to a more conservative portfolio. Just remember. Retirement is not the end of life. Retirement could be the number of years ahead of you compared to the number of years you've been saving. I mean, people start saving at 40 to age 65. They've got 25 years. People who are 65 may live 25 years. So you've got to have 25 years of money to last you 25 years when you're no longer contributing. So it's important that one does become more knowledgeable and understand and not worry when the news, because, Kathy, I thought to myself last night when I'm reading the newspaper, how the newspapers find bad news every single time they print a newspaper to give headlines to. How can every, there's not a day where you don't get bad news. So we get, we get emotional about this bad news. It's thrown at us all the time, more and more bad news. Mm. But when it comes to your investments, they're your investments, the news may have nothing to do with company A, what Anglo-American or Bulletin or any of these companies are doing. So investments are very different to the news you're reading. Don't be governed and allow your mindset to be governed by the bad news because every day, I haven't seen the headlines this morning, but I'm sure when I see the newspaper tonight, there'll be some bad news. All right. I think that, that, that that's a very uh, valid point that you're making there, Brian. Um, a question that's come up, you spoke about property and people being able to negotiate when they're making an offer for property. Um, and this is now a question around the municipal valuation of a property versus what the owner is asking for a property. Yeah, look, look, you know, wherever, wherever government can raise tax, they do. Their latest thing is, is rates and taxes. I mean, people are getting rates and taxes bill. They won't get half the value if they sold the property with what they what their rates and taxes. Although, if your home's below two and a half million, and I think you're a pensioner, you can get uh, you can get a lot of dispensation and get some re- rebates. But yes, p- the rates and taxes are re- relevant. It's what a willing buyer is prepared to take to g- give a willing seller, and what a willing seller is worth to, prepared to take. And you never know why someone's selling. I mean, I know of a few people selling. They live in Cape Town. They haven't got good rentals. Their properties have been smashed. They just want out. And they're giving properties away. So this is a great time to to think about buying a so, property. So, so can you use, in the instances where the municipal valuation of a property is significantly less than what the owner is asking for, can you use that as as, as a reason for why you're not willing to pay what the owner wants for it? No, that's not the reason at all. It's what a willing buyer is prepared to pay mm-hmm. and what's going on in the market. And there's so much on the market. If I've got time to tell two stories. A client of mine in Cape Town has got a property on the market in Johannesburg. 
at 2.4 million rand. She tells me that it's listed with a particular estate agent. She's had 231 hits on the property and not one viewing. Mm. It's not now. It's not possible that anyone can. 231 people can look at a property and not. So what's wrong? The price is wrong, definitely. So drop your price if you want to get the price. And the second story I'm going to tell you is um, is a story about Tony O'Reilly. Tony O'Reilly was a British Lion rugby player and headed up all the newspapers in the UK. He came out of the building one evening. And he didn't have a newspaper. And he walked across to a newspaper vendor and he said, please give me a newspaper. He gave him a newspaper. He gave him a pound. The vendor walked off. He called him. He said, hey, where's my change? He says, no change, sir. He says, don't be ridiculous. Do you know who I am? He says, yes, sir. You're the big boy of all the newspapers. He says, yes. And look here. I gave you a pound and it says 60p. He said, sir, don't believe everything you read in newspapers. <laughs> so when it comes to investments... Don't believe everything you read in the newspapers. Get the gut feel of how companies are done, who you want to invest with. Talk to an, talk to an investment advisor. All right. Okay, I've got lots of questions for you already, Brian. And, of course, we'll be taking more. 86 And uh, That's the phone line There's to dial in, specifically to ask uh, Brian questions based on what we've been talking about today. And, of course, you're more than welcome to add to that on the WhatsApp voice note, 614 104107. It's 10.30. Time for the latest headlines. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Cathy, you know, uh, this um, morning we got the news about petrol reductions. And interesting, I was talking about with oil price and the rand. Mm. If the rand had been strong, rand had been stronger, we would have got a 50 cent further reduction. So we, the one side we got a reduction because of the oil price, and the other side we got penalised because of the currency. Now, if the oil price stays at these levels and the currency comes off, and you can you can listen the whole month to Cathy when she gives the market report, and if you hear the rand breaking 19 and the oil price staying, she gives both those connections, you will know what your oil price is going to be in July. Is it, you make it sound so easy, Brian. That's what it is. Oh, it is okay. easy. Okay. It's your oil price and your rent. So we don't have to wait for the minerals department to make the calculations no. for us. If the rand comes down into the 18s and the and the oil price stays in the 75s, the, the petrol price will come down next month. By how much? 50 cents. Around 50 cents. Okay. I'm going to try and use that trick. I'll, I'll see how okay. many times I can. I know you're going to hold it to me, and I know I've got a problem <laughs> of course, beginning of July. Of course. Yeah. Let, let's get to the. Just one question. <laughs> yes, Brian. Am I still looking so good? Well, actually, Yashin Durban says, Brian, you are also sounding younger and younger. <laughs> but she's also got a question for you. She says, Can you please give us uh, the number to check for unclaimed pension and provident funds? I do have that here. I carry that around because I think it's very, very critical. Okay, so I'm going to give you that for anyone, and just let's repeat it. There's a lot of unclaimed pensions business. It doesn't mean people in recent years have got unclaimed benefits. Unlikely. It's certainly the elder generation that will have pension benefits. The phone number is, um, the toll-free number is 0800-20-3722. I'll repeat that, 0800 Two zero three seven double two. Call that toll free mu- toll free number. There's also an email. It's called pensions ubquery 
at fsca.co.za. I'll repeat that one more time. Pensions, UB query at fsca.co.za. Got another question for you, Brian. Um, is APSA's 12-month dynamic fixed deposit a good investment? As I see, you can end up earning up to 10% interest per year. I don't know if you know much about it. No, I mean it's a it's it's a, it's a ten. I mean it sounds like a fixed deposit, which is absolutely guaranteed, mm-hmm. uh, and rates are because of the last half a percent increase. Uh, rates are around about there for a one year. That's why I said early on. At the moment, you can get fantastic rates. So people invest at these ten percent. What is the net rate? If your gross rate is your net rate, in other words, you're not paying tax, 10% is an excellent return. But then when interest rate's coming off and it comes back to 8 and 7 and 6, then you're going to start looking elsewhere. And by then, both property funds and equity markets will have moved forward. Okay, so what must… What, well, what, if you're looking for income… yeah. If that's a great place. If you're not okay. looking for income, be a little bit diversified. Start investing in some growth assets and have a, have, and have a hybrid of both. Okay, I'm going to play you some of the voice notes before we go to the callers. Hi, Katie. My name is Tembe. I'm from Northern Cape in Postman's Peak. So I just want to ask Brian whether, why is it all those uh, financial service providers, maybe like on my side, I was having the credits from my previous employer, then I lost the job due to COVID-19. So... Uh, those uh, credit are still there so now i got a new job now so i just uh, took the, the i just took that credit to pay them all with one installment so the question is why is it this institution don't want you maybe like if you want to buy a car with an installment they said no you don't have to buy a car with installment you have to finish this one first before you go on to the other in the, to the other credit, so I just want to know why is it that happened? Because maybe what happened if maybe like employer then will say one we want you to have a car so that maybe when we want you to to or late in the afternoon when there is no transport. So I just want to know why is that happened? Thank you very much, Kathy. I apologise, and I'm sorry you're not online, so I could ask some questions. So I'm going to have to make some assumptions. I've got to make some assumptions whilst you were working, uh, whilst you lost, while COVID was on and you weren't working, uh, you built up some debt. And perhaps you had some judgment taken against you, and now you're busy paying that off. And whilst you're paying that off, you can't get credit because you've got that you've got that mark against your name, uh, and and only once you've paid it off and satisfied and got confirmation will anyone else consider. Um, so all I can say is I think that's what I've picked up, but I, I can't I don't answer any questions. I may ask you, um, will you call me um, on my radio line, Kathy? Do you remember my, my radio number? Yes. Will you give it? <laughs> You think I know it off by heart, Brian? <laughs> I'll give it at the end of the show. We'll give it at the end of the show. Yes. It happens to have slipped my mind this morning. Yeah, it slipped, it slipped both of yeah. At least it was in your mind to slip. Yeah. I usually have it in front of me. But I'll make sure that we give it to, to, to our listeners before yeah. the end of the show. Don't worry about it now, Brian. Don't worry about it now. I'll get it for you. I'll get it for Thank you. Thank you. Let me go to Bongani Mpumalanga. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, uh, uh, Brian. Good morning, Bongani. 
Yes, sir. I just want to weigh in on that when earlier on uh, about the um, the investment of the pension fund or, or sort kind. Uh, the the question is that I don't know if we can get that clause uh, that is preventing some of the people that if you have you stay with the same employer. Let's say I'm started at the age of nineteen on on, on employment or age of twenty two. So now I I did I did not take maybe pension fund but I take the provident fund. So in my earlier or middle years and in my eighties and then I see the difference between the 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 provident fund and the pension fund in terms of the growth. So now if you said uh, you go to your scheme and say hey, guys I, I you know what I just want to move from the provident fund to the pension fund then they say no. You can't if you, are, you, you, you still stay with that same employer. Uh, you need, if you want that, you want to resign, then you, maybe you get the employment again, then you can move from a prudent fund to a pension fund scheme. So now there's a gap of, I think that gap or that clause is not constitutionally. And it's pity because we don't have that money if we can challenge those clauses that are designed to prevent some of the people that uh, if you want to to make your choice with your money, then there are some clause that are preventing you to go there. And further, Katie, please, can we get someone maybe on, 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 on questionnaire court or a spokesperson or someone in terms of the law or the analyst that can explain to us if we have some issues with some of the laws that we created and we don't have fun to fund ourselves to challenge those uh, uh, laws into the constitutional court for for that constitutionality uh, on that laws. Uh, thank you, Brian. Okay, so let me let me answer to you. There is there, in in years gone by, there was one big difference between a pension and provident fund. It had nothing to do with the way the funds are invested. It had a lot to do the tax deduction you got on a contribution to a pension fund, which was fully tax deductible. And on a provident fund, it was not tax deductible. It was paid with after-tax rands. But in recent years, the last five years, when they brought, tried to bring in pension reform and it was defeated, the, all those contributing to provident funds are in a much better position than those contributing to pension funds for the following reason. Under a pension fund, when you retire, you can take one-third in cash, two-thirds has to buy you a pension. Under a provident fund, you can take the whole amount in cash, but it is subject to tax. But there is no reason why anyone in a pension fund or a provident fund the fund had been performed differently because the tax would have been paid in your hands and the full amount would have still been contributed. So if company was paying 5% to the savings portion, remember, employer has other benefits. They are admin costs. They, have, they often provide group life cover, cover multiple of salary. They may provide disability. So that all comes out of the contribution. Let's say there was 10% less. Five and five. Under a provident fund, the same 10 would have been invested for you, and there is no reason. I don't know why you're suspicious and you think that the provident fund has not performed as well as the pension fund. There I can't comment. Also, there are two different types of funds. A pension fund could be what's being called a defined benefit fund or a defined contribution fund. Whereas a prov- which means that def- the defined contribution defines your contributions and not the end result. Uh, 
A defined benefit doesn't define how much the company's got to pay. It gives you a guaranteed pension. Provident fund, there's defined contribution, only the investment. But there is no reason. What you need to do is ask the trustees what, how different are the funds invested and why is there a difference? You have every right to ask that question of your trustees. The last thing you want to do is resign from the Provident Fund, pay all the taxes, and then join a pension fund. So I think you're on the right track, but you just need to find out. Don't worry about a Provident Fund. I think a Provident Fund, there's big advantages that have come about in the last five years to members of Provident Funds who previously were not getting a tax deduction on their contribution, and they are now, and they're not paying tax on they're not paying tax on what's been contributed, but they're going to get the cash. So uh, please. Find out from your pension fund, ask your trustees, ask the principal officer, ask your your HR manager the question, why are people in a pension fund, the investment form seem to be different and better to the provident fund? That normally does not happen. All right. I think that's fair enough. Ralph in Verulam, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Ralph. Uh, good morning, Brian. How are you? Yeah, fine, Ralph. I must tell you, last Friday I was driving past Virulam. It's beautiful. It's so green. Unbelievable. Really beautiful, man. Yes, no, no, we've, uh, we've got a nice municipality in. Oh, good. A local municipality yeah. in Virulam that uh, keeps the uh, place uh, nice and tidy. Yeah. How can I help uh, you, Ralph? What's your question? Uh, yes. Uh, well, Brian, I've got two uh, questions for you. Um, my first question is, uh, I've got two life uh, cover policies uh, with a reputable company. Uh, for quite a long time, I've uh, estimated, uh, I think, for the past 25 years. Uh, now, prior to me taking these policies out, uh, I did the medicals. My biggest worry is, assume I have fun, uh, and the company does not pay. Uh, they may dilly dally in making payments in the sense that uh, they would indicate no, that I did not disclose uh, uh, certain information on my medical. But medical had been done. Uh, what do I do in that case? Uh, or what would my beneficiaries have to do? Okay, you said there were two questions. Let me deal with the first question. Ralph, firstly, if you were underwritten 25 years ago, it's unlikely that there would be any repudiation because you've survived any period. But if there was some material non-disclosure that they didn't know about which resulted in your death, then obviously there would be an investigation and there would be there, there could be some delays. But was there anything that when you took out the policies that in your in your opinion were material and not disclosed? No, uh, not really, Brian, because prior, I mean, after I've uh, done my medical, a couple of years later, I had one stent uh, done for my, one of my arteries. Not, not serious, uh, so not important at all. Whatever you do when you take out the policies at that point in time, if you take out the policies today and a month's time you have a heart attack and you survive, insurance companies can't repudiate the claim unless there was cause to believe that you knew of something and three months before you'd been to a cardiologist and he told you, you know, you're going to need a stent and all these types of things and not to But 25 years, you're not going to have a problem. Reputable companies 
Their job is to pay out claims, and they try and pay those claims out as quickly as possible based on certain information that they require. It's getting a little bit laborious now. You've got to give more paperwork, but this, you know that's why I talk about a life file, and I've spoken about that on numerous occasions. Have all your documents in a place that your family can find it together with your will and everything else about yourself, and you won't have a problem. So I hope that satisfies you. 25 years later, unlikely. Uh, and then your second question? Yes, my second question, Brian. I'm a public uh, civil servant, actually, for the past 58 years. Uh, Sorry, Ralph, now, we lost you. You broke up a little so, bit there. So, so, Ralph, you say you've been a civil, a civil servant. servant. Okay, for the past 28 the, years, yeah? 38, 38 years. 38 years, okay. Yes. Uh, I'm still currently in employment, uh, and I've got a few more years uh, before I go on pension uh, at the age of 60. So what I wanted to find out from Brian um, with regards to my pension benefit, uh, I know you you normally get a lump sum of one third and two thirds kept by the state. Uh, now, uh, can Brian advise me how does the state uh, invest the two thirds that they keep? Uh, assuming I pass on, what will happen to my two thirds? Um, I know I will get a monthly, monthly gratuity uh, up until I survive uh, because my the spouse is late. Um, so what happens to my two-thirds that uh, remains behind? Okay, well, you and, write... You, uh, how, how, how do they invest it? I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, they put it into... A, not, uh, not, uh, what, what fund is it? Uh, I just can't recall... Some fun the state in yesterday. Could, yeah. uh, uh, Brian, advise me on that, please. Yeah, Ralph, look, this is much more than just a, a quick answer on the telephone. You do need to get advice. But let me make this comment. When you retire under a pension fund, you don't have to take one-third. One-third is the maximum. You can take a lot less. And because of the tax consequences of that one-third, I mean, you've had 38 years of service. Uh, you will have had 38 years service. You should get a very nice pension. Now, the question is normally what happens is if you take a fixed annuity, that means you take a guaranteed amount. It doesn't matter how the monies are invested because you're getting a guaranteed amount every month for however long you live. And normally... It, with a, with a, if there's a spouse in the event of death of the breadwinner of the of the worker, then the, the, the pension will continue to the spouse. Every rule, every pension fund is different. But you have an option. When you take the one-third in cash, you can also move the two-thirds, and you can move the two-thirds not to a fixed pension to a living annuity, which means you move the money into your own fund and you determine two things now. How should it be invested and how much am I going to draw? In other words, if you decide to draw 7% and the fund only does 5% because the investments are not good, then the fund will drop. If you draw 5% and the fund does 10 then it will increase. So at that particular time, you can also appoint beneficiaries to that two-thirds, which means the money won't be left in the fund. You need to look at the rules. Ralph, we're going to give my number out. 011-880-4888. How's that, Kathy? 011-880-4888. Four triple eight, a moment of of genius. Getting remembering my number after all these numbers I'm talking about. But give me a call and and I'll and I'll advise you further. But I'm giving I gave information to anyone who's retiring. Uh, it's, and again, at retirement, at least a year before retirement, go and seek professional advice so that you can understand 
all the different options. Hope that helps, Ralph. All right. Ralph and Verlim, I think he's... All right, I, I think he's he's gone now, uh, but, but but yeah, thank you. Kathy, for a lot of people, advice. they yeah. don't really understand. I mean, thirty-eight years service with one company, mm. and we had someone else call us also, also had many it's, years. It's, it's actually it's, unbelievable. It's unusual, and what happens is people don't have enough in retirement because they move jobs, and every time mm. they move, they take their pension funds mm. money out, and then they start again at a much older age. But Ralph, I mean, thirty-eight years. I would imagine, uh, and he talks about being a civil servant and in the government pension fund, I would imagine that that man's going to get somewhere closer to 80% of his salary. But he makes a good point. He doesn't have a spouse. What happens if he dies? Therefore, in comes the option of a living annuity. Mm. I often say to people, take the government pension. It's a good pension. Every year they increase it. Uh, you don't have to worry how the fund's invested because it's guaranteed. But when you don't have someone to leave it to, you need to get the rules. And the rules will dictate what happens on your death. Sure. All right. Very interesting. Thanks for that, Brian. And also for remembering the number. I had it on hand. No, you didn't. I saw I, you. I had it, it. I literally, it was written down oui. here. Oui. Here you go. I'm looking. Here's my evidence. There's my evidence. There you go. I know. I was just waiting for the right time. I didn't want to upstage you. All right. We're Your going poor to husband. <laughs> Shame. We're, we're going to continue um, with uh, Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch after this quick break. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, listeners. And Kathy. Kathy, please ask Brian for me. If you are working for a company, then your money is invested, let's say, with CEDA. Then they will tell you if you are getting a pension. They say, don't contact CEDA. Uh, you will wait for your money to be deposited in your account. Is it right or what must we do? No, it's not right at all. Doesn't uh, sound right. It, at have all. you retired? Um, it was a voice note, Brian. Oh, Sorry for that. okay. Well, for anyone who gets a note like that, it's unacceptable. Firstly, the company has an obligation to provide you with information, and the company has an obligation to provide you with someone who can, who in, other than giving you information, they can put you in touch with someone. It's a condition that they put you in touch with someone who can advise you of all the options. So the company needs to give you advice. You need to contact them. Can't tell them, wait, just wait for such and such. I think you need to be, I know, I know call centers and, and all these things is very hard sometimes, but you need to put pressure. You need to, I don't know, if, you, if, you, if you're near to the company, you need to go in there, you need to see the HR manager and you need to make demands. We can't be treated like that. I mean, service in South Africa has become non-existent and when I hear about pensioners, and you can hear I get agitated, when I hear about pensioners who are just retiring and don't, don't know anything about what's happening and just yeah. wait for the money, unacceptable. Please, if you're having problems, call me and I will make a call if I can get hold of someone because I can tell you, don't even ask me to try and get hold of the government pension fund. You can hold on for 45 minutes. They're unbelievable. I wish Kathy at some stage would bring someone on from the government, from the GPS and ask them why is their service and their communication with their members so poor? All right. Consider it noted, Brian. We'll, we'll, we'll try and chase somebody from Okay. There. All right, maybe we can try it for next week, Tuesday. Uh, Cassius in Bloom, good morning. Good morning. Uh, on a lighter note, SAFM um, uh, finance couple, 
How are you guys? <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> From now on, you are MFC. You are MFC morning finance couple. Okay, okay. fantastic. We like that. We will take we like that, that We'll take that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Brian, I, I, I was declared disabled in 2009, and since then, I, I, I still got my salary. I was from a private company, uh, and I did get into salary. I'll be getting it up until I'm 60 next year. But now, when I, we, we had a problem with of storm about five years here, five years back here in Bloom, and then uh, my, my, my roof was destroyed by that. It was actually damaged by that. So I had to, I had to withdraw the, the, the provident fund. And, and and ultimately, actually, I had to take the the money. But I was then in 2018-49. What I would like to know is, in 2015. Sorry, can I just uh, ask you a question? In, you said in, in 20. Sorry, no, my question is. Hello. Mm, yeah. you, just to yeah. get my mind thinking, you said that you retire at you're going to be 60 next year, and you said in 2018 you were 49. I was 40. I was uh, 58. I was oh. 50. I'll be 15 2000. I'll, I was 54. 54. I wanted to say 54. Okay, good. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I know you're just so, testing me just to see if I'm listening. So, so in December, in December next year, I'll be 60. Okay. In other words. Yeah. Now, there was this, there is this clause, or I don't know whether it's a clause or um, it, 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 is a, it, it, is, it comes from uh, um, the government, or I don't know what happens with that. But if you if you take your if you take your pension after fifty five, I think five hundred thousand of the money is non taxable. Correct. And then it, it, it's it's not five hundred anymore. It's five hundred and fifty from the first of March two thousand and twenty three. They increased that five hundred to five fifty. Okay, they have increased it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that time then. But in twenty fifteen. Pavan Garden, he was the Minister of Finance then. He then excluded people who are earning disability as a salary, not, not as a salary, that uh, disability under that. Yeah, he, he excluded he was, the, the tax the, was taken no tax. Excluded. It was free of tax, yes. Exactly. Now, the pamphlet that SARS issued in 2018 was saying people who are excluded from that are those of 55 and those with disability which is a pamphlet that I still have. Right. But then, but then due to the damage of my roofing, uh, I decided, because the, the house was already paid up then, I decided, because I cannot make a loan, to withdraw my pension. Mm-hmm. Though the nice part of it is that I'm still earning my salary. They took uh, 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 the, the tax from, from the money and claiming that i I, I should actually wait up until I'm 55. Though I showed to them that, but this is the law. It says that at, at age 55, this 500,000 is non-taxable. And also when you are on disability. Why are you doing that? Now, Sal says to me, yes, it is like this, but the people who, who took tax and paid it to us are the ones who have to rectify it. But this insurance company doesn't want to do it. Alexander Forbes doesn't want to do it, let me put it that way. Well, look, it's, it's unfair. It's, it's unfair for me to, to say more than this. You've been advised very poorly because you're, you're not getting your salary. You're getting a disability payment, 
from yes. and, 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 and that is being paid by the insurers. But that's going to yes. stop at the end of next year. And normally what happens, when you get a disability payment, the contribution is also made on your behalf to the pension or provident fund. And then when age 60 comes and the disability pension stops, then your pension becomes available and then you start drawing a pension. Now, depending on how long you've contributed to the fund and depending how long you've been with the company. But I, I hear mm-hmm. what you say. They t- treated that as a withdrawal not a retirement, because if you had retired from the fund, that's the one bit of good advice you got, if you'd retired from the fund, then obviously your disability pension would have stopped. So in order to keep that disability pension, they gave you withdrawal. But let me say this to you. A pension fund is allowed, or provident fund, and I, because people sometimes get confused, is allowed to provide a loan for repairs and of home or the purchase of a home. That's not under a discussion under the National Treasury Act, which is going to come in next year, whether you can take money out of your fund. When you got the money. Now, we've run over time, so I'm sorry. I'm going to give you out. I've given my number out, 011-880-4888. We'll carry on this after after call. Please uh, just send a note to that or phone that number, and I'll give you a call in the next few days and let me get more details. But uh, just let anyone, if you're in a disability pension, do not draw from your pension or provident fund. If it's for housing, you can because you you break the whole program for you uh, at retirement. Sure. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. All right. No, thanks, right. Sure. Th- uh, thanks for calling uh, in. I-, I wish you had this advice before you, you made that move. Forget yeah. the lessons, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't forget the twins' lessons, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I hope you are doing well. Okay, thank madame. you, Cassius. Yeah, so sorry about that, Cassius. But uh, Brian is certainly willing to help you out some more. Brian, it's always a pleasure. It's also eleven o'clock. Time for the latest news. Week.